I can't hear you. Oh. What you are about to witness through the sounds coming from your device is one of the greatest podcasts your ears will ever hear. One man took it upon himself to create a platform dedicated to all mankind. His vision was to accomplish the inevitable, a place where pointless opinions reign supreme and can be expressed for the entertainment of others. So sit back as you engulf on a journey, one that you have never experienced before. Welcome to the club. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the club podcast. This is your host, Matt Jacobs, and I'm back. Uh, it's been a quite some time, a couple weeks, some days. It's just uh, it's just been crazy coming back to work, getting through this quarantine, getting some people to hang out with, and uh, yeah, just kind of doing our thing. And uh, today I'm going to be riding solo uh, by myself. That's right. Yep. No one's around. Uh, not many people uh, kind of chilling today. Want to get some talks out, so uh, I'm just going to do some opinion-based questions that I've seen on the internet recently. I'm just going to give my personal opinion. No, this would not be politics, uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, a lot of you have been asking uh, my kind of my acting journey and how it all started, so let me get into that a little bit uh, for you guys who are interested. If not, if you're not interested at all, you can either just you know get out of this podcast or you can skip uh, a couple minutes, but... Yeah, um, acting has always been a passion of mine. Uh, it's been my biggest dream in life uh, ever since I can remember. Um, a lot of people, you know, want to do sports. Uh, I enjoyed sports. I really enjoy sports. I play all different kinds of sports. I enjoy playing basketball, soccer, volleyball, ping pong, uh, pool, you know, football. The ones I'm terrible at, I'm terrible at tennis. Uh, I've tried my best. Uh, I can't serve worth a crap. <laughs> Uh, that definitely takes some talent and I give mad respect to people who, uh, have mastered that form. Uh, I would say I'm, I'm decently good at volleyball. I thoroughly enjoy it. I would love to coach volleyball. I think that would be the coolest thing. Um, I have become really good at basketball, uh, for a white man and myself of my stature. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, basketball was when I was a kid was the only sport in my opinion that my brother could beat me at. And I, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to obviously beat him. It's competitive spirit in me. And, uh, but when I joined the Marine Corps, I realized that basketball is the only sport that is played consistently and constantly. And, uh, because, you know, trying to get people to play football or trying to get people out to play soccer, you know, you got to get it all. You got to get the gear out and stuff like that. And, uh, it's just a lot more people, uh, basketball, you know what I mean? It's like one of those sports that you can play two on two. You can play one-on-one soccer and football. I, I get it, you know? even volleyball. So, uh, yeah. So basically every day when I was in North Carolina and when I was in Massachusetts, every day during lunch, I would go out and I would play and I'd play against some big, tall black dudes. I'd play against lanky white dudes. I'd play against, you know, quick, quick movers and slowly, but surely I just got better. Um, I'm, I'm in no way a master and, and the greatest out there. Uh, I will never say that. Um, but I, to, to my opinion, I have a decent shot. Uh, I can dribble. Okay. Um, and I can move around and I, I enjoy it. So would love to coach basketball. I mean, I'd love to coach any team for that matter. Uh, football is the only sport that I have, um, not have the knowledge and experience of. Um, I think I would love for my kid to get into it. Uh, and then I would, you know, learn, learn through him and try to master him and be kind of like a dad coach without all that craziness that people go through. Um, you know, hyping them up stuff. So. Uh, yeah, uh, so volleyball, volleyball, I'm good at basketball. I'm good at soccer. I'm good at when, uh, I not have as much weight on me, you know, and I have endurance. Um, but tennis, tennis is not, not my sport. Neither is uh badminton. Um, man, what other sport pool? I'm okay. But anyway, yeah. So enough of that. So, uh, yeah. So my dream was more of the acting side and, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, kind of some down flaws, uh, through high school, you know, I was overconfident and, um, you know, through my eighth, ninth, 10th grade years, uh, you know, 
didn't make the high school plays. But granted, for you guys who don't know out there, I went to a Christian school. So, you know, my class would consisted of like 26 people. So uh, the the way of getting into um, the acting on the high school plays, you know, you would think that it would be easier. But, you know, there's not a lot of cast members. There would be like maybe 12 cast members. And you're going up against seniors and juniors, sophomores, and all sorts of stuff. So it was tough. Uh, but, you know, I never looked down at all. And I just kept pursuing. And uh, eventually I got two roles um, in my high school. I That was fun for me. Um, I always wanted more of like the comedy aspect of it. Because um, I enjoyed making people laugh. But never got stuck with those. I had serious roles, which were interesting. Um, but... I feel like I did okay, you know, for my age at that time. And uh, so, yeah, so I was, I went to college for uh, for film because, at the Art Institute of Philadelphia, because I didn't want to go for like an acting class or an acting school and get an acting degree because if acting uh, fell through and it didn't work out for me, you know what I mean? What degree, how is that degree going to help me in any situation, in any occupation that I want to do? So I thought... I know a lot of actors, I shouldn't say no personally, but I've, I've researched a lot of actors who don't have acting degrees um, and they've pursued acting. So I thought, you know what, if I can't do on screen, I'll do off screen. And so um, if acting ever fell through, you know, I'd have this degree where I would, uh, you know, I could do camera, I could do lighting, I could do sound, but I can do that for movies, television, theater, I could do it for sports, I could do it for news stations, you know, all sorts. Of, so it was a broader range. Um, and I was going through college, I was, you know, two years into college. And uh, um, one of my good friends, uh, Dan Cerati, a uh, great guy, uh, I met him at a at a church, his wife's sister's ex-husband, I believe it was that whole chain um, does, he's a cameraman and uh, in New York City. And so uh, he gave him a call and uh, told him that I was interested, you know what I mean, in, in learning all this because that's the route that I was going at college. So the dude called me up. His name was Tom. And uh, he was like, hey, Matt, um, do you want to uh, do a 50 Cent music video with me? And I'm sitting here going, uh, yeah. <laughs> like that was so out of the – he was like, yeah, man. You know, just kind of like an intern. Obviously, I wasn't getting paid. I was just there. He was like, yeah, man, um, let me shoot you the address. Uh, you know, if you can come up, you know, this weekend, then, then that would be great. And, uh, so there I am, right. Having this opportunity, uh, to go up now. I don't know the dude's name. All I have is an address. I'm sorry. I know, I don't know what Tom looks like. So I have an address and I have a name and I'm like, okay, let's do this. So, <laughs> so I get up to New York city. We go to this dining room. So for those of you, the music video is called, do you think about me? Even if you YouTube, uh, do you think about me behind the scenes? You'll see me. Um, I'm in a bright baby blue polo t-shirt, uh, which is funny because everyone else has like black and white and gray, you know, just so there's no reflection on any mirror or screen. And, you know, my my dumb self uh, didn't get the memo. So uh, I was I was sticking out like a sore thumb. And so so I got there. Right. And I'm, I'm looking around and all these people are working. You got all these grip members. You got these PAs and you got all these, you know sound and lighting guys and i'm like uh hey uh do you know tom you know and i had his last name obviously they were like uh no i don't know who thomas i'm like okay so i kept walking around and i'm like saw another person hey uh you know you know who thomas <laughs> no okay i mean obviously it was in the right spot or whatever so we get into the dining room area and then tom <laughs> just goes hey matt is that you i'm like yeah yeah tom what's up He's like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, how did you know it was me? He was like, well, I don't know. You're in a bright baby blue polo t-shirt and uh, everyone else is in black and gray. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I didn't get the memo. <laughs> so he was showing me, you know, all this sort of things with his cameras and stuff like that. And uh, so I became basically his cameras assistant. And uh, so he um, he uh, had me like change his lenses and change his filters or whatever. Well, I was the clicker. Uh, for his specific camera, you know, the, the snap thing that, you know, you say, uh, you know, do you think about me? Scene three, take one. And then, you know, you do your thing. So he's like, all right, I need you to stand right in front of 50. Um, you know, and then when I point at you, you say the thing, you clap it and then you walk away. I'm like, oh, okay, it's cool. And so, you know, I've known 50, I'm not like a monster fan of, of rap music. So, you know, it wasn't like starstruck wasn't like 
there, but it was there. And you know what I mean? Like, so I I get in front of 50. He's like at the table with the other girl and we lock eyes. And I'm like, what's up 50? (laughs) I mean, what else am I supposed to say? And, uh, you know, he just nods his head slightly. I'm like, all right, cool. So then, uh, it was my turn, right? Do you think about me? Scene three, take one. Boom. Action. And what do I do? I don't move. I literally just snap the thing, put it down by my side, and just stand at that table and stare. <laughs> the, photo, the director of photography is like, get out of the scene. I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. And so I got out. Because uh, for, for those of you who don't know, a lot of music videos and uh, and movies are still shot on film. It's not shot digitally. So basically that, you know, those seconds that I stood there is wasted film, you know, because film just still um, has better quality than digital is because every time you transition digital to a new USB or, or a hard drive or whatever, you're losing quality every single time you do that. Film goes straight from the film to one, you know, section of whatever. And then that's like a CD or whatever. And that's what goes into each computer when you need to use it or whatever. And so yeah, so I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And Tom's like, all right, let's try this again. Snap the thing, walk in the corner. I'm like, all right, I got this, no worries. And so, you know, do you think about me? Scene one, take two, bam. And I walk in the corner, right? So then everything's going on. He's like hanging out with this girl. And then like he sees his ex-girlfriend in the back. And then the girl realizes he sees his ex-girlfriend. She gets mad. She stands up. She spills wine in his face. And then she walks away and the camera follows her. Well, of course, which way does the camera follow her? Me, where I'm in the corner. So here, here comes camera, boom, 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 boom. And then out of nowhere, I'm in the, I'm in the back, in the corner. <laughs> so the director of photography is like, what the hell are you doing? You know, nobody knows me but Tom and Tom doesn't even know me. And so I literally am like screwing up this thing and I just got there and Tom's like, all right, well, um, so we're not going to do the clicker anymore. Uh, and so you're just going to kind of stay behind me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm 19 years old and I'm just, I'm screwing up everything. It was terrible. So yeah, so I did that. I did, uh, you know, I changed his filters, changed his lenses. Um, and it was really cool. The, the, the craziest thing is he had me when he shot his film, Right, so they have this black room. Uh, it's literally no larger than a tiny, tiny closet. And basically, you shut the door. Everything's pitch black, and you transfer the film from you know the um, cartridge into the kind of like the mailing box for it to be mailed out. And then you seal it all in pitch blackness, right? So no light touches it and, it, and it screws it up. The issue is when you go into this closet, you can't lock it. So if somebody shows up behind you and opens a door and light gets exposed to that thing, it's not them who goes to the director of photography. It's me. who's going to go to the director of photography and go, hey, man, by the way, the last half hour you just shot, you're going to have to shoot again. So heart's racing, heart's beating, do put his full trust in me, and you know I learned to just do it because you can't rip it. You can't do anything. It was crazy, um, but it was a cool experience. So I was on there, and that set was 23 hours. 23 hours i mean i didn't get paid at all but the experience was well worth it um but tom made some monster bucks um, so it was it was a, it was a cool thing to realize how much money people get uh when they do certain things like that so it was a it was intense and uh i really enjoyed it i'll tell you right now uh 50 cent is a jerk um for those of you who want to know what he is uh he's kind of like if if fame isn't on if you're not on the same level of fame as he is, uh, he doesn't even want to talk to you. He doesn't want to look your way. He doesn't want to acknowledge you. It's it's interesting. Um, but anyway, so I did that. And then once I did that, uh, I came back the following week and I did a Philadelphia Flyers commercial, which was pretty dope. Uh, Tom gave me a shirt. It was an Airy shirt, A-R-R-I. Uh, that's the, the company that they use for certain, a lot of their uh, equipment. And, uh, and it was really cool. So the you know i'm a flyers i'm a huge flyers fan and uh so you know you have like when i got there was a bunch of group of people like standing outside the doors watching the ice um you know because they wanted autographs obviously when they were done and uh it was cool to just kind of like walk through the the group open the door by myself and just walk on through uh while everyone's staring at me going who the hell is this dude and why did he just walk through and it's funny because 
you know, the shirt said it all. It was, it was something like I didn't have to, uh, there was no guard or anything guarding them. And, uh, it was, it was kind of a cool experience and, and I was able to do that. And then after that, uh, I did a uh, USA network commercial and that was super cool. Let me tell you, uh, Matt Bomer was there for those guys who don't know. He's the main character, white collar, but he's also on my favorite TV show of all time. Chuck, uh, that used to air on NBC. Uh, he was Bryce Walker or Bryce Larkin on that one. And, uh, super chill guy. Uh, Jill Flint was there. Um, and Jeff Goldblum, for those of you guys who don't know, is the professor back in Jurassic Park. Uh, super cool dude. I ate lunch with that man, uh, and he is is pretty cool. But it was an interesting experience. So we're all eating lunch, and uh, it was kind of like this. Uh, lighting people ate with lighting people. Sound people ate with sound people. Camera people ate with camera people. And I, and I get it. You know, They're not the same crew, right? So camera people, crew will go from one movie set to another movie set, but that doesn't mean that the lighting and the sound crew, you know, will also follow them. So you'll have different lighting and sound crews every time you do different, you know, projects. So I get it. You know, that's why they all sat with them. So I'm sitting here eating lunch with uh, Tom. And by the way, the food at these things are ridiculous. I mean, anything you can imagine, they got like gourmet food. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so, um, so, there it is, Jeff Goldblum sitting and eating by himself. And I look at Tom, I'm like, Tom, that's Jeff Goldblum. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, he's eating by himself. He's like, yeah. I mean, dude wasn't reading a book. He wasn't on his phone. He was just staring in, you know, into abyss. And I'm like, Tom, am I allowed to go eat with him? He's like, I mean, I don't care. So I'm like... Awesome. So I pick up my food. I walk towards Jeff and I go, Hey Jeff, um, I see you eating by yourself. Do you mind if I eat with you? And he goes, sure. So literally for the next five minutes, I sat down and I ate with him. But let me tell you, when I looked back at Tom, every single eye was on me looking at me going, who the hell is this dude? And why is he talking to Jeff? And so, but Jeff was chill. He was cool. It was awesome. I was trying to, you know, understand what happened or how he got into the acting biz and stuff like that. And it was, it was pretty uh, remarkable and it was a cool experience. And, uh, and so Jeff, Jeff leaves. Right. And then I'm walking back to Tom and the director of photography goes, uh, who the hell are you? I'm like, Oh, Matt Jacobs. I'm uh, you know, Tom's camera sister. And he goes, okay. Uh, why were you talking to the subject? And I'm like, you mean Jeff? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know. He was sitting by himself. So I went to eat with him. He goes, yeah, you can't talk to them unless you talk to their agents first and you get the okay and approval. I'm like, okay, man, I apologize. I didn't know. I'm new to this thing, you know? And he's like, all right, well, that's something that you need to know. I'm like, very well. So I go back to Tom and I explain it to him. And he goes, yeah, it's like some of these director photographies are just, you know, when it comes to certain things that has to, you know, do with the subjects or whatever. I'm like, all right, whatever. And so, you know, so they're shooting this commercial and now I'm standing next to Matt Bomer and, uh, you know, I'm like, all right, I guess you can't talk to this man. And, uh, so he was like, he looks at me, he goes, you know, what's up, man? How you doing? And, I, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good, Matt. Uh, I'm, I'm not allowed to talk to you though. He's like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, uh, the director of photography said that we can't talk to you guys. And all of a sudden he just starts getting irate. He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, did he really just say that? I said, yeah. He said something about like talk to your agents or whatever. And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, where is he? I'm like, man, 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 man. Don't get, don't listen. Don't, don't get me in trouble or whatever. And then he just starts venting to me. He's like, listen, he goes, do you see all these people over here? And it was like all the actors and actresses they are all sitting at tables, you know, looking at their phones and stuff like that. He goes, you know why we're sitting on our phones? And I'm like, no. He's like, because nobody talks to us. Literally nobody talks to us besides, hey, Matt, I want you to stand here and say this. So when people like you, you know, who are actually interested, who aren't wanting to take a picture or getting an autograph or writing about a, you know, a journal entry or some type of newspaper, he goes, we enjoy that. That's something that we, you know, that, that it's, it's cool to us. He's like, so that's absolutely ridiculous when he says that you need an agent to talk to us. I'm like, I, Matt, I don't know what to say. He goes, you know what? You want a picture? <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I'd love a picture, man. You're on my favorite TV show, Chuck. He's like, let's get a picture or whatever. And so, yeah, so long story short, I got a picture with me and Matt Bomer, uh, that's, that's, uh, that I have personally, and I think it's pretty dope. 
but yeah, when you're on when you're on set, you got to be professional. So uh, you can't be a fanboy. You can't be taking pictures. So I do have pictures of all three of those, you know, commercials, sets, and and music video. But it's all like sneakily because they they're you're not supposed to, right? And I get it. It's just something that you know they want to be discreet and they want to be professional and they want to keep it that way. So that was my all experience. And I talked to Matt Bomer and I talked to Jeff or whatever, and both of them talked about, you know, the military and stuff like that. And I told them how I wanted to join the, the, the uh, acting world. And so they said, it's tough, you know, but uh, as long as you pursue it and you got the confidence and passion for it, you go after it. And I was like, all right, cool. So, uh, so that's where I was going. And then uh, kind of, God changed my direction into making me go into the Marine Corps, which was interesting because I had no desire ever to join the military life whatsoever. Um, but I decided to do it. And uh, then I was just going to do four years and get out. But then I was married and have a child. So it's a little different to like just, you know, tell my wife like, hey, I'm going to go from like, you know, four grand a month to like 400 a month. And uh, I promise I'll, I'll make up for it in acting. When You know, of course, at that time, I have no idea whether I'm even going to become remotely successful, let alone even have the opportunity to do so. And so I reenlisted and that's why I'm still in the Marine Corps, you know, for almost 10 years so far. And uh, so it was like, OK, um, interesting but I still want to pursue acting so I started looking when I was in Massachusetts I was tired looking but there just wasn't uh, enough I mean Boston was a decent you know miles away and I was like man I can't I can't get into any like um, agency down there man that's like three hour drive do whatever three hour drive back and if it's multiple days it'd be crazy but I was researching, you know, like, how do I get into the SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild? It's the actor union that all actors are in that, you know, like all out, anyone you could think of, you know, Jai Depp, Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Denzel Washington, everyone is in this union, right? And so I'm looking at it and you have to be eligible. You can't just join. So now I'm like, all right, how do I be eligible? So now I'm looking at all the eligibilities and you have to be part of like minor unions, theater, uh, radio, uh, some country, whatever. And I'm like... Wow. Okay. So then I'm looking at those unions and they have eligibilities and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to, to pursue this. So, you know, I kind of got down on it. Um, I wasn't really looking much. And then I transferred to Pennsylvania where I'm at right now. And, um, and, uh, my sister-in-law found, uh, an agency that was looking for someone with military background. And I'm like, Oh, okay. For a movie. Um, and the movie was called glass for those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, it's a decent movie. I'm in it. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so the story goes like this. I, uh, I email whoever to email and, uh, I come home and my wife and I tell my wife and she's like, all right, I just want to let you know that post was like a week ago. So now I'm like, Oh man. Like, so that means that whatever that role was is already gone. So I'm like, okay. So I'm driving home one day and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to call them. So I call the, I call the, uh, the talent agency and I'm like, Hey guys, uh, you know, I sent an email. I saw a post about you wanting military background. Uh, I know it was like a week ago, but I was just curious. Is it's, is this kind of like where I get a response back saying like, no, it's already filled or if it's filled, I just don't hear anything. And they were like, yeah, it's, it's filled already. What's your name? And then I, I told them my name or whatever. And they looked at my email. And, of course, the picture I sent was me in my Marine Corps uniform. And, and then uh, all of a sudden the guy goes, all right, hold on a second. And I come back. And then he goes, uh, he goes do you know how to hold a sniper rifle? And I'm like, well, I'm in the Marine Corps and I'm an armorer, so. I fix and maintain all weapon systems. So, yes, I, I know how to hold sniper pistols, rocket launchers, all that stuff. He's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So, you know how to shoot it then? <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah. Yeah, if I, yeah. I mean, I told you I'm a Marine who's also an armorer. He's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, do you want to do the role of the sniper? <laughs> and all of a sudden, my mind just goes blown. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes, all right, um, we'll give you more, you know, information to follow. And, you know, I come home, I'm like, 
babe, I got it. I got the role. Like, this is insane or whatever. And of course, I had no idea exactly what I was going to do. But I'm like, dude, I'm going to act in an epic movie that's going to have Bruce Willis. That's going to have Samuel Jackson. That's going to have James McAvoy, Sarah Paulson. I mean, like all these big names. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And so, yeah. So then uh, I get on set and uh, they need me for nine days. I'm like. Wow. So now I'm going to be an actor for nine days, going to get actor's pay or whatever. But I'm a non-union worker, right? Because I'm not part of the union, the the SAG union. But what was cool is uh, I got a union voucher. So basically what happens is that as a non-union worker for a certain um, certain movies and stuff, uh, there's only certain levels that you can go, right? And uh, there's, three, there's three levels from my understanding, right? So you can be background, which is like, one of 500 people that you know you're not recognized on screen but you're on the screen there's extra which is you're one of uh eight people on the screen where you can notice your face and go oh yeah that's me or whatever and then there's featured extra and a featured extra is where your role is scripted into the story so you know even if you're like a waiter who pours a drink for two people who are talking on a on a screen right if it says waiter pours drink Boom, you're a featured extra. However, as a non-union person, um, there's no speaking roles, at least for large um, large uh, movies and television shows. As a non-union worker, I can do like commercials and stuff, but for anything that goes beyond like, you know, two or two plus days of shooting where there's speaking roles, you have to be part of the union. And I get it. Because if you're part of the union, you're you're like a uh, it's like an insurance policy, right? So if you so let's say I was on there for nine days and I had speaking roles as a non-union worker, and let's say day five somebody pissed me off and I'm like, screw this, I'm done, and I leave, right? I'm allowed to leave. They'll still pay no matter what. They'll still pay me for what I did up to the point of where I left, but they can't. I can't get in trouble for it. So now they're going to take the days that I just did with my speaking roles and they have to reshoot it with a new actor. Right? So now if I didn't have any speaking roles, it's easy. I can, they can blur out my face. They can just change someone else. It's easy thing. So being in the union, it's like an insurance policy. If I were to say, screw it and I leave now they can sue me for how much money that they're going to waste reshooting all the things. So I get it. So my role had no speaking role, um, and but I was the highest role that you could have as a non-union worker. But that was supposed to be a union role because it was more than two days. So I was shot for nine days. So I got a union voucher, right? So I got paid as a union worker, even though I was not a union worker, which is uh, which is still decent pay. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I think it gave me somewhere around like three hundred to four hundred dollars a day. Um, for nine days and uh you know obviously the higher you are the more like you do contracts and then you get paid based off your you know your uh what do you call it popularity and your contract and stuff like that but simple things like this you know everyone gets the standard amount of pay so so yeah so i'm sitting here and you know i'm talking to like all these other 12 to 15 background actors and uh you know i'm telling them like hey i'm in the military you know this is something i've always wanted to do i'd love to join the sag i just don't know how or whatever and so i'm sitting next to a guy his name is john mitchell and he's one of the 50 national board members for the screen actors guild crazy huh i don't think it's coincidence i think it's fate but it's crazy. So he tells me, you know, he goes to New York City. He watches the movies. He does the Q&A with, with the actors and actresses and then helps vote for, you know, best supporting actress, you know, best lead or whatever for the SAG Awards. And so I'm telling him all this and he's like, all right, man. Uh, well, he goes, I know that there's eligibilities. I know that you got to be in like minor, you know, theaters to get into the or minor units to get into this major uni. He goes, but. A lot of people don't know this. There's a uh, sneaky little shortcut that can get you eligible to be in the SAG. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, what is it? And he goes, so if you have three union vouchers, you can join the SAG. I'm like, interesting. Okay. And he's like, yeah. So in order to get a union voucher, there's three elements to it. You ha- It has to be a big enough role in a big enough movie or television show and, you know, you have to be a non-union member. 
And so the issue is it's hard to be, it's hard to get a union voucher because basically you're, it would have to be a union role that they can't find anyone for it. So they open it up to non-union members and then you get a voucher for being it there. So for him, he's saying it's difficult to get union vouchers because they're just not thrown out there. You have to be in that role, but that role has to be opened up for non-union members. Other than that, non-union members only do non-union members roles. So I'm like, wow, okay, that's dope. I'm like, so I got one union voucher, you know, I can, I just need two more and I can, I can join the SAG. And so John looks at me, he goes, you know, the, even the coolest thing is, he goes, you don't get a union voucher per project. You get a union voucher per day. How many days are you going to be on this set? I go, nine. He goes, so you're going to have nine union vouchers. And I'm like, so that means I can join the SAG? He goes, yep. What? I mean, I'm just, I'm sitting here going, dude, no way. That is sick. And lo and behold, right? I go, I Google SAG eligibility. I type in my name and my social. And sure enough, it says, congratulations. You are eligible to join the the Screen Actors Guild. And I'm like, dude, like that is unbelievable. And John goes, but I want to tell you something that's even crazier. He goes, ask me how long it took for me to get three union vouchers. I said, how long? He goes, four and a half years. Four and a half years of hustling to do a bunch of roles to finally get three vouchers. And you got nine on your first project. Your first project. You have already surpassed the wall that people are stuck on trying to get into the union. You got it automatically. He goes, I want you to just understand how blessed you are. And I'm like, wow. Dude, I'm telling you. And he goes, and what's even cooler with you is you don't have to join the union just yet because you have no showcase. You have no demo reel to, to you know, show yourself because obviously once I'm in the union, I can now go for actual roles and actual movies and films. But here's the issue. He's like, it's the same thing as like Craigslist, right? You want to look at something like a car or whatever on Craigslist. You're going to look for the ones with pictures, right? You're, that's mostly what people filter. You want to see the pictures first. You don't, you're not going to really care about the non-pictured ones at that point. He's like, it's the same thing. So when they're going to look for someone who's, you know, a white um, military look in the Philadelphia area, you know, ages 30 to 40 and, um, you know, that's, you know, have blue eyes or whatever, they're going to filter people with like pictures of themselves, which I have and their video demo reels, because that's who they're going to look at first. People who have experience and they're going to see how they are on their, you know, their little clips of, you know, acting that they did to put together to showcase themselves. And if I don't have that, are they really going to waste their time to get people who they can't see just, you know, on their computer at eight o'clock at night and instead pay for me to come out there to New York city or whatever to, you know, act for them. No, not a lot of people have that time. So he's like, he's like, you can just pump the brakes and you can create yourself a demo reel, you know, do commercial, do non-union commercials, do go to colleges and do student films and then just grab their film, you know, and, and put it together. He goes, and then at any time you want, then you can join the SAG. He goes, <coughs> sorry, but he's, I'm telling you, he goes, I don't know how many people out there who have monster numerous amounts of video clips for a showcase reel and demo reel, but they don't have three vouchers. And so now they're just sitting and waiting and hoping to get roles that will get you three vouchers. He goes, you don't even have to worry about that. You have surpassed at least four years of hustling that people have to worry about just to get into the union. And the cool thing is they don't expire. So I can join the union. Now I can join the union eight years from now. I can join the union when I get out of the Marine Corps when I'm 40. So, you know, the situation with me is I can join the SAG now. Now, granted, it's $3,500 to join, um, which, again, is not that big a deal. But it's going to connect me to, you know, more agencies and more and more agents. Uh, but the issue is my time frame of acting is only based off of my leave days, my vacation days with my, you know, with the Marine Corps. So why open up to this situation where I have to say no constantly to certain things, you know, because if I'm doing roles, it's going to take more than a month. I can't just take a month off of, you know, being in the Marine Corps. And so 
then I'm just going to, you know, I don't want to be on people's blacklist. I don't want people upset at me and stuff like that. So at this point, I'm, you know, I'm going to wait until I get out of the Marine Corps when I'm 40. Now, granted, my selfish self wants to do it now, right? I'm young. I'm 30. I need to pursue it now. But the to convince, you know, and I get it. I get why, why my wife is hesitant. You know what I mean? I, I can't promise her that I'm going to make as much money as I do now acting. I can't promise her that any role I submit for, I'm going to get. Um, now, in the acting world, yes, I can act for 15 days out of the 30 days and be perfectly fine and make the same amount of money as I do now. But who's to say that I, I can do 15 days? You know what I mean? There, there might be roles that are only two days long. And then during those two days while I'm acting, I'm researching more opportunities to, to act. So it is a hustle job until you make it. And I believe, you know, with the confidence that I have and the passion that I have, I believe that I will make it eventually. But it, it's easier if I have a pension coming in every month for my wife, you know, and child for, you know, safety precautions when it comes to that. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at now. So, and it was the coolest thing. So I'm, I'm on set and, uh, again, you know, uh, I'm not allowed to take pictures. I'm supposed to be professional. And I learned that through, through my uh, internship down in uh, Philadelphia. And, uh, but it was the coolest thing, man. I'm seeing Bruce Willis. I'm seeing Samuel Jackson, all of them. I had a, uh, I had a, um, uh, a scene with Sarah Paulson, me and Sarah Paulson. I got a picture of it, um, but they cut it out of the movie. But it was really cool. Um, it was really cool to talk to her. Uh, people warned me of her that she she might go off. Uh, she's just like a, a loose cannon. I'm like, okay, interesting. Um, and uh, and so so I basically am a I'm a sniper, and uh, she's she's like working uh, undercover as like one of the bad guys, and uh, she. So she like talks to me after I take my shot um, at one of the main characters, and uh, so M Night you know comes over, which is crazy. M Night knew my name, you know. It wasn't like, hey, what's your name? Uh, the, the people there are just insane. I mean, there's just the friendliness. His crew is amazing. I I cannot second doubt that. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm sitting on top of like the van, scoping in, and people who I've never met knew my name. They were asking if I wanted water, if I wanted a blanket, and I'm looking here going, guys, you, you realize I'm a nobody, right? I mean, I'm I'm nothing. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter, man. You want do you, do you need something? And I'm like, no, I'm good, man. Thanks, appreciate it. And it was just the the atmosphere was unbelievable. And so I have this thing, right? And uh, so they warned me about Sarah Paulson, and uh, M Night comes over. Hey, Matt. Um, so what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to talk. Um, you know. And she's going to ask questions like, hey, you know, do you think it all went well? Do you think people, uh, you know, saw you? Uh, how do you enjoy the firm, you know, that I'm working with her or whatever? And uh, he's like, but I just want you guys to talk um, before I say action. So it looks like, you know, you're in conversation and not starting a conversation. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got this. And so, you know, he walks away and Sarah's like, hey, I'm Sarah. And I say, hey, I'm Matt. Nice to meet you. She's like, so what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, whatever you want to talk about. And I and I chuckle. I'm like, I, I don't know, whatever you want to talk about. And she's like, okay, but it's a serious scene, so you can't freaking laugh. And then she paused for a second before she goes, ah, I'm just kidding. But I'm telling you, that, that pause was more than like 20 seconds in my eyes. Because all of a sudden, my heart just dropped. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Like, I already pissed her off? Really? Because I laughed? <laughs> and so... It was interesting. So after she said, I'm just kidding. I'm like, okay, all right, whoo, because the next couple of scenes are just going to be awkward if, you know, she's mad at me and I'm looking at her, you know, cringing and yeah, interesting. But uh, I've learned a lot of actors are very uh, uh, whiny babies, um, crying about the weather. When are they starting? Uh, it's it's quite interesting. Um, some actors go immediately back to their, their trailers if they're out for like a couple minutes and they haven't started yet. And, and then you got cool ones that chill. They hang out with the crew, you know, stuff like that. Um, Bruce Willis is one of them. He's, he's a very cool guy. He, he hangs out with uh, the crew and stuff like that. And so, uh, yeah, so I did my thing and it was really cool. And so I had no idea what exactly I was doing. I just knew that I was a sniper, right? 
and uh, I, I grabbed the sniper rifle from the armor that was there, and uh, it had a laser on it, like where you could physically see the laser. And I go, hey, um, you know, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but, you know, with sniper rifles, like the, the laser itself is infrared, like you're not supposed to see it. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's just part of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. You're going to use the laser in the movie? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I'm pointing the rifle at someone? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. Am I am I pulling the trigger? And they're like, yeah. Uh, now my mind is starting going. I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I'm aiming at a at a main character and I'm pulling the trigger. They're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Am I killing someone?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Okay. Uh, who who am I killing?" And the guy goes, "Well, what do you think?" And I'm like, "No. Wait a minute. I'm killing the beast, James McAvoy." And they go, "Yep." And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I called my wife and I'm like, babe, 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 babe. I'm killing the beast in this movie. I'm the one that's taking down the bad guy. Me, my very first role in any movie whatsoever. And I just, I freaked out for a little bit. I fanboyed like, I was like, oh, dude, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, And it was cool. And if you watch the movie, you see me. Uh, it's only like two seconds or four seconds or whatever. You see my face or whatever. But I think it was dope. I mean, there was more that we shot. They just cut it out. Um, but it was the coolest thing now forever. Even if I do no other acting things, at least I could say I killed the beast in glass. I mean, it was just unbelievably crazy and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, I waited for the trailer to come out. Right. And I'm watching the trailer and lo and behold, I made the trailer. I made the international trailer and I freaked out. I called my wife again. I'm like, I made the trailer. Like, are you kidding me? Like, my entire dream is coming true. I And I'm not even a big part of the movie, like a major part of the movie. But I'm like, I mean, I'm the plot twist. I killed the beast. Like, are you kidding me? No one else. Me. I did it. And I was just like, I was just, my mind was just blown. And I absolutely loved it. I think it was the coolest thing in the world. And so, yeah, we went through it. Um, and, uh, it was cool. I was able to, uh, keep, uh, the earpiece that I used. I was able to keep the, uh, the blank shell, uh, from the bullet that I shot. Um, it was even cool as I was, I was standing next to Bruce Willis and, uh, he looks at me and goes, so again, what I've learned is you can't talk to them. Right. And I, and I understand it. You know, they could be going over their lines and you're interrupting them because you're like, Oh, I loved you in this movie or whatever, you know? Or they could be getting into character, trying to get emotional and trying to make themselves cry and go to like a dark place and you're interrupting. So I get it. Um, but if they talk to you, you can respond to them. And so Bruce looks at me and he goes, so, um, so you're the sniper? I said, yes, sir, I am. He's like, uh, you're a sniper in real life? I'm like, eh, I'm close to it. So I'm in the Marines. <laughs> so he, he shakes my hand. He thanks me for my service. Samuel Jackson's next to him. Doesn't say anything. Next thing I know, five minutes later, Sam Sam comes up to me and goes, I made 10 of these. Here's one for you. Tosses it to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's a sweatshirt. And it's a sweatshirt. Like on the front, it says first name, Mr. Last name, Glass. And it's a silhouette of his character, right? And then I turn around. I, I have a turn around and my jaw just drops because the back has the picture of the front of the screenplay, but on it is his signature. And I'm like, What? I have a signed Samuel Jackson sweatshirt. Like, that's dope. So that was my experience uh, on set. I mean, I be, I got a signed sweatshirt from Samuel Jackson. I killed the beast. I became eligible in the union. I'm like, dude, everything is happening. But what's crazy, crazy enough is I don't think I would have gotten this role had it not been for being in the Marine Corps, had it not been for God changing my mind and moving me off, giving me this detour of going to the military, which again, I had no desire whatsoever, but through that gave me the opportunity that I needed 
to continue my passion and confidence. And I think people just have to realize that there are certain times that God might lead you in a different direction and you're going, what the hell? This is not where I want to go. No, 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 no. But you just have to trust him because if, if, if he gives you a passion to do something, like I have a passion for acting, I don't think he'll never give you the opportunity. To, I don't think he'll never not give you the opportunity to do it. And so I trusted in him. And I and I and I went the path of the Marine Corps, but through that, gave me that opportunity, broke that wall of giving me eligible to be in the SAG. And now, when I get out and I want to pursue it, I have no worries. I have no worries in, in getting into the union now because I'm eligible. And I think it's unbelievable. And so I befriended people in, in the movie glass, and uh, through that, I was able to drop, uh, go down to Philadelphia, and get on uh, Creed Two. And uh, that was a cool. Uh, story and again uh, I wasn't a nobody I was just a background just like everyone else I was like rooting for you know Russia or, or Creed or whatever and then uh, people who who I befriended in glass was like I was down there for I think four or five days and day three uh, they called me over like hey Matt do you uh you want you want a different role and I'm like uh <laughs> yeah so all right cool come with me so they went to I went to um wardrobe and uh they they put me as a russian officer so i bumped from background to extra now i was a featured extra in glass but i went to extra in creed 2 and if you watch creed 2 um creed's or not creed uh the other dude um that he's fighting his mother i'm sitting next to um man i can't remember her name this is so sad i apologize but yeah you, there's a scene where there's three of us it's me her and then like her husband or whatever and i'm like this russian officer who'd like you know, guides them and leads them wherever they need to go. I'm kind of like their protector or whatever, but, uh, that was cool. I was able to do that. And, uh, I mean, it was just insane. You know, Sylvester Stallone was the coolest thing. I mean, again, it's in Philadelphia and literally every day when he walked into the room, he got a standing ovation. I think it was just the coolest thing. You know what I mean? He's a great guy. And I, but I think it's just his iconic role as, as Rambo, you know, like an underdog that, you know, the Philadelphia kind of encompasses. Uh, yeah. Anytime he, he left for chow or left for lunch, anytime he returned for lunch, anytime he left for the day, I mean, he got standing ovation. I think it was the coolest thing. Um, I got a head nod from him, which I think uh, I'll remember forever. And, uh, but it was funny. It was like day four and Michael B. Jordan comes in and he doesn't get standing ovations or claps from anyone. So I was dumb. I just, st- I was in the front row. So I stood up when he walked back and I was like, I started clapping. I said, you deserve it too, Mike. And then, uh, he already had like his taped, uh, gloves on or whatever. So he gave me a fist bump. I'm like, all right, yeah, got a fist bump from Michael B. Jordan. But the most epic that I loved uh, on that set was Woody Harris. And uh, if you if you know who Woody Harris is, he was Julian in Remember the Titans. And again, you can't be a fanboy, um, you know. So unless they talk to you, you could talk to them. And my wife told me to do this, and I, and if I had an opportunity, I would. And I was able to have this opportunity. I was outside; um, it was during a break, and I was talking to the Russian uh, translator uh, or interpreter. And she, I'm sorry, not interpreter, dialect coach. She was helping, you know, them like do their Russian well or whatever. And uh, I'm just a curiosity guy. Like I just talk uh, when people with people from other countries. I just enjoy. Uh, hearing their side of how they grew up and their childhood and, and what their country's all about. So I'm talking to this dialect coach. She's a female and uh, Woody Harris comes out of his trailer or whatever. And he like, you know, says hello to the girl, gives her kisses on the cheeks or whatever, which I guess is just something that they do every day. And he shakes my hand and uh, he goes, Hey, I'm Woody. I said, Hey, I'm Matt, man. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I said, I really want to do something, uh, but I know I'm not supposed to. And, of course, nobody else is around. Like, literally, we're in the corner outside of the building. <laughs> and he knew exactly what I was going to do. And he's just like, all right, man, go ahead. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, go ahead. I, n- I know what you're going to do. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, man, I hear it all the time. <laughs> so I go, all right. And I, I look at the – it's funny. I look at the uh, dialect coach, and she's like, I have no idea what you're going to do or whatever. And so, yep, so I did exactly what I wanted to do. I went to him. I kind of pushed him uh, pushed him in, in his chest, and I go, left side. And then he pushes me in my chest, and he goes, 
strong side. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like the dialect coach is like, I have no idea what just happened, but I was like, I did it. I did it. Like, come on. That is epic. If you have never seen Remember Titans, that is an epic moment. That is the pinnacle of when the the racial divide that they were having, you know, throughout the whole first half of the movie at camp is when, you know, Gary Berdier pushes Julius and makes him like say like hey let's work together and then from that moment on you know blacks and whites you know became friends in the football team so it was just it was epic man and I'm just glad he allowed me to do it so I was able to do that um and what was cool is um they uh they liked me so much that they paid me union union pay again so when I jumped to the Russian officer I got another union voucher so now I have like 10 union vouchers which is crazy then after that, I did a scene in Gotham. Uh, you can't see me on background, um, which was fun or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at right now. I did that uh, obviously before quarantine, probably a year, maybe a year, year and a half ago. And uh, and then my wife was going through a master. So, you know, I kind of put a, a, a halt on it for a little bit so she could knock out her master's, which, of course, she aced uh, per the usual. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm hoping to get back to it once, you know, this COVID relaxes and calms down, but yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm eligible to be in the SAG, which is an absolute honor and a blessing. And I, I can get back to it. And I just, uh, I'm, I'm cannot be happy enough for where I'm at right now. And so I'm going to pursue this. Uh, I really am. Um, I'm glad that, uh, it's all working out and, uh, hopefully, you know, become famous one day and, uh, I'll remember, where I came from and all the love that I've and support that I've gotten. And a lot of thank yous are going to be happening for a lot of people. Um, if I ever get to that level of success. So, uh, I wanted to just spit that out there for you guys. Uh, actually I'm not even going to do opinion based because that took a lot longer than I expected. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate you guys. And, uh, if you have any more questions, I'd be glad to uh, answer them for you. But that was my acting, uh, film, uh, career so far and uh, it has only just begun so thank you for listening uh, me talking to myself and uh, uh, I hope you enjoyed it so uh, this is the Quell podcast uh, stay tuned uh, for more and uh, I'll try to get some more people in uh, next week so thanks guys for listening and uh, as usual you stay classy <laughs>